You know, Jim, I just have to tell you, one of the things I really enjoyed about the episode with Eric Fogg from Machine Metrics was that he really wants to find the right partners, the right clients to team up with. Like, he doesn't want to just you know, have everybody using his software. And and I resonate with that because I feel that same thing with the partnerships um, that I have with my with my clients. It's gotta be mutually beneficial. It's gotta work for them and it's gotta be it's gotta be profitable for them and I'm gonna save them money and it's gotta be profitable for me. I could not agree more with you, Jason. Um, I think engaging with the right fit customer is where it's at nowadays because you know as well as I know and Eric at Machine Metrics knows if you have a customer that's going to be a pain in the butt, it's never going to go anywhere. It's never going to advance. It's not going to be a true partnership. Yeah, and it might not be because they're a pain in the butt, like as a personality. It just might be that you guys aren't a good fit, you know, right. and it just doesn't work. And so yeah. you, you're kind of button heads all the time. So the great thing about Machine Metrics is that Eric will tell you, after a conversation, whether you're the right fit for his software. So all you have to do is go to machinemetrics.com slash making chips, fill out the form. There's no obligation. and 10% er- discount. 10% discount. And Eric will get, or one of his teammates will get back to you and see if you're the right fit. And if you're the right fit, he could save you money. Bam. And your listeners will understand they're targeting product development engineers. So they can't go in with the leading with the heart. What they have to come in is leading with the smart. It's all of those things that really lead us, taking what we've learned, listening to what the story is, and knowing where you're going on how we position that archetype. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts, business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. Hey, hello, Metalworking Nation. Jim here with Making Chips. We are back again in our favorite spot in Lombard, Illinois. We're at the headquarters of Red Caffeine Marketing. We're going to have another episode with our good friend and the marketing maven, Julie Poulos, a little bit later. But uh, I just want to introduce my good friend and my co-host, Jason Zanger, who's sitting on the other side of the desk. Yeah, Jason, hey, Jim. How are you feeling? I'm great. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for this third in our marketing series. Yeah, we're back here again. It seems like, you know, every month we're here, and uh, here we are again today. On this. Yeah, it's, I mean, marketing is something that, you know, the Metalworking Nation has been asking for help on. So I'm, I'm glad that, you know, we can provide a platform to talk about marketing, to help people to elevate their game in the marketing space. Equip and inspire. That's yep. what we do. You Isn't got that it. the mission of making chips. You got it. All right. Well, we're here. So you got some manufacturing news for us today to talk I, I about, do. And decipher, I do. and yeah. Uh, so this this was, a, this was an article that specifically was talking to the um, the South Carolina manufacturing sector, and and basically what it talks about is that small manufacturing are, is the backbone of the community there, which I thought was interesting. Well, that you, resonates with me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. well, you know, the, the people that always get the news are the big manufacturers 
manufacturing companies. You know, if some large, you know, General Motors is doing something or or, Terrier. You know, or yeah, whoever else. But but in reality, the the jobs are with the small manufacturing companies. And I just thought it was interesting that they they really honed on honed in on this and talked about you know the numbers are are with the small guys. Well, isn't there a statistic about? Small manufacturers represent a certain percentage. I mean, it's a huge percentage of our GDP, and more people work for small companies in this country than they do the big companies. Absolutely, yeah, and and that goes for the manufacturing sector as well. And Absolutely. you know, it, I mean, it's it's companies, it's those smaller job shops that really keep the manufacturing sector humming. And I just thought that this was interesting that they were um, just in this one community. They're they're really honing in on the fact that you know this is what's keeping our community going. This is the backbone, is the small manufacturing companies. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. And I think that would go for the greater Chicagoland area too. It's the small job shops that really keep things moving. What's the people that buy? We buy tools from Zangers, yeah, right? Exactly. You got so, it. Uh, exactly. Uh, we we need to keep that alive and well. So you're growing, and so am I. But, Absolutely. Uh, the way we grow is to market our company. Well, we need to get the word why, out. That's why we're here today again with Julie, and um, she's going to bring on some of uh, her favorite people again. Uh, two experts in their own independent ways and what they do here at Red Caffeine. But before that, I just want to ask you, is anything new that you want to share with Sure, me yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I would Zangers guess... Zangers are black? Yeah, so I would guess... Uh, the the recent thing that that I'd like to talk about is we just had our quarterly meeting yesterday, so we took out an entire day, uh, wow. which I know is hard. Wow, um, to bring our leadership team into the room and really sit down and say, okay, what do, what are we doing right? Is this still our vision? Is is everything still correct? What issues do we have to solve? And we go through this process, like I mentioned in episode ninety nine, where we really try to. You know, say, are we doing all the right things here? Do we need to blow something up? Do we need to correct something? What issues do we need to solve? And and we take out a whole day to do this once a quarter. So it, break that down for me a little bit. Sure. For somebody that doesn't do quarterly meetings like that, that is formalized as you do. How many people are in this meeting? Um, well, it's our leadership team, so there's four of us. Okay, so there's four of you. Yeah. And, and, do you literally start at 8 a.m. with a pot of coffee? 7.30. Okay, 7.30 a.m. Yeah. And is it structured? Do you have, oh, very is it structured. Written? Yeah, it's written. It's structured. There's you a know whole what? structured format to it. I, I guess just some of the points that I would talk about is that um, we go through our business plan, which is only on two pieces of paper, and we review that. You know, it has our marketing plan, it has our vision, it has you know our one year goal, our three year goal, our ten year goal, and and we really say, are these things still true? And we make sure that we talk are they about them. Are, are they attainable? Are they still true? What needs to be redone? And then from there, we um, we go. We usually go through like a another business tool that we can use in order to make the company better. So yesterday we talked about profitability drivers. So we broke down some of the um, areas that contribute to our profitability, and we really broke those down and said, okay, which one of these are issues that we can solve, and how do we look at how we track whether we're doing a good job here? Mm. Um, and then we those are tough questions. Yeah, those are tough questions. Yeah. And everybody owned one of those. Um, and then um, we go through um, solving some issues, and that takes about half the day. And it's a really good use of time. It's always one of those things where it's like, oh, I have to, you know, we're going to spend a whole day doing this. I have so many things to do. But once you get done with it, you feel really refreshed and it gives you the the fuel to go through for another 90 days till the next one. So it, it's a good use of time. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. I also want to uh, call Jason out and say thank you because Jason came 
to my company the other day, uh, as as I've shared on the podcast before, uh, Car Machine just developed our core values, and it was a great exercise for us. And I shared them with Jason, and we had 10, and Jason's like, I think that's too many. And I'm like, well, yeah, well, talk to it. And I, I invited him in to our production meeting with all my employees, with my entire team the other day, and Jason kind of took the lead and shared with my employees and helped us redefine our core veils and kind of clustered them together. So instead of 10, we have about what, four I think or five? they got them down to like three or four or five. Yeah, but I mean, it was still a work great in progress. exercise. And thank you. I, yeah. I really genuinely appreciate the time you took to come and do that for us because, you know, I, I think the employees sometimes look at me and think, I'm nuts because I'm, I'm making them, we're defining our Corvales and we're getting all, you know, fancy. But at the end of the day, we all know that good companies that collaborate and have the same core values and are aligned are the successful You're going to achieve more. You're going to achieve more. Absolutely. You're going to be in line. It's a, it's a little painful to get through that process, and you're going to have to work a little bit harder at it. But if you do go through these exercises and you're consistent at it, you're going to have a very successful company. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm happy to spend the time there. And you know, hopefully, you're not in shock when you receive my consulting call. <laughs> oh, thanks. I'll, I'll make sure I create one, too. But <laughs> What are you going to send me an invoice for? <laughs> oh, I can think of something. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking about good collaborative teams, we are thrilled to be in one of the most culture-rich companies that I know of, and that's Red Caffeine uh, Marketing and Strategy. Um, Julie Poulos has been a good friend of ours for quite some time. She's uh, quite a, a woman, and she's a marketing maven, and um, we love her to death. And uh, we've been known to share a couple glasses of Cabernet with her, too. And she really gets going then. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's really exciting to uh, be back again here at Red Caffeine and talk about this, the, the, the fourth in a series of uh, our marketing series that we're working with them right now. But uh, so I'd like to welcome Julie to the microphone. Julie, how you doing? Hey, Julie. Hi, guys. It is so great to be back here again talking about it. And interesting, you know, I hope the listeners are, are following the synergy of what we're building upon from mm-hmm. um, episode after episode. And you guys could not have given a better segue to what we're going to be talking about today. So, you know, first of all, uh, Jim, you're sitting under our core values. I and didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, you, you are. And, and Do you thank want to you. read them real quick? Did, didn't you think it was uncomfortable that you were sitting on their core values? <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, what, is, what is this that I'm sitting on here? You know what my favorite one is? The hug. last one. I was going to say we hug it out. I know. Yeah, I know. But some people don't get that and don't understand the purpose of it. Oh, it's well. so It's so... It's so... I don't know. It's it's enriching, I you, think. You know, and, and it's the last one because everything builds upon it. But the We Hug It Out is that we are a team of technologists and marketers, and none of us are short of, of an opinion, right, guys? And so when we're around this table and we're strategizing on behalf of our clients, we get a little bit contentious. But it's always for the better good and the best. There's a sign behind me that says, uh, when we're together, we are cooler than everybody else. And, and, the, and, and that's our whole point is when we're the best when we're working together. So... Every time we leave, it's you know we we hug it out and it's it's hard. I say it's a, a culture. Is it like an exercise like uh you like you do at your CrossFit? You did today your little Linda test. Yeah, it's you got to work on that muscle to to keep it going. Well, yeah, yeah I mean Julie, you and I have had 
arguments or discussions about oh, Mark. I know. Arguments. And we have various Qu- opinions and it doesn't mean like, you know, my I'm right and you're wrong or you're right and I'm wrong. I mean, it's just it's there's different opinions, you know, and the important thing is that you can have those um discussions and maybe each of you can learn from it and there's a mutual respect and sometimes yeah. we're not always physically hugging it out although most of we are sometimes we're texted out after i'll be like hey jace like hope i didn't piss you yeah. off but no. <laughs> and we've even had theological discussions yeah you know, I, anyway. I, I did i steered clear of that I know, one jim drank a whole bottle by himself there <laughs> but you know i want to talk about what really your segue was um for us so the you know red caffeine in the the plus in uh, the marketing plus technology is that we do think holistically about a business and at your leadership strategy groups. That's what we do too. We go offsite and we do deep dive in our business. And there is usually, if you have a marketing department, your CMO or your marketing director, your marketing person is there. And that's what I want to tie into what's so important and kind of backing up to remind us of the first um, episode in this series, we were talking about exactly what you're doing. Why are we doing this? What are the goals of the business? Where does marketing fit in? Because sometimes, you know, I know you guys are sick of me saying it, but people think it's just a website or, or whatever it is, but it goes back to business strategic goals. So that's so important. We believe that we've cracked the code on a better way to do business by leveraging this together. And then I want to kind of go into that second episode was seeing where you looked at where you stood up and stacked up against your competition. And so you knew where you were at the marketplace, where your areas of weakness were and places to dominate. And then lastly, we were talking about, well, we don't want to assume and Jason says, I can't swear, but but Ryan Scanlon says he'll beep it out because when you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. And so we really talk to our customers, current clients, prospective clients, lost clients. And so now we're kind of at the deliverable stage. You've gotten some great insights to where you are. What are you going to do with those? And you've heard me previously on an episode. Um, I forgot which episode, but we were talking more about your brand story and how you use it. Today, I want to introduce two of my favorite people at Red Caffeine. So we have... What? Before we get into that, this yeah. place is so cool. Do you know that they have beer here? <laughs> so yeah, we're talking about developing your brand identity today, and we've got two resident experts here at Red Caffeine, Shannon and Danny. Yes, and Shannon is our director of content. And really what you know we, we've been able to layer, layer in because we evolve, and when we evolve, you know, everybody gets the benefit of it, was what you hit on. Mission and vision and values is the part of... Um, really the start and the nutrition of what your brand story is. So Shannon is going to be talking about the um, words part of your brand story and the essence behind that. And then Danny Wise, one of our lovely graphic designers who's so smart and intuitive and has really brought a lot more flavor into the business side of it's always been our, our mission is how do we take the story and then reflect that into what your visual element is. So we're going to be just handing over the mic here. Uh, like I said, everybody is a little bit smarter with, than me and all of these things. And we're so happy to have the team here today. So Shannon, can you share with us a little bit about, you know, the overall why we're doing what we're doing and the elements that you've been able to bring, you know, to us? To, yeah, for our absolutely. So, you know, it sounds to me that Um, Where we're at is, you know, branding is both science and art, right? And for the last few episodes, it sounds like you've had really um, learned the science side of it all, you know, really looking into your marketplace, you know, doing competitive analysis, looking into, you know, where you're at online. And um, that's all, you know, a part of it. And, you know, when you're developing a brand story, there's another side of it, which is the art of branding. And that's really what I want to talk about today is, you know, we talk about branding 
brand story and the who we are and what we do, but every brand has a character, right? You can't have a story without a, a character. Yeah. And so um, that's where we kind of bring in the art, and we like to really help our brand, like our clients, come up with a way of identifying them their brand as an actual person, really putting a personality and a character to their brand. And the reason is, is because the only way you're going to really attract and tap into the emotion of your audience is if you bring in your, you know, character into your brand. So, um, so why don't you guide us through sure. on how that works and sure. give us a scenario Absolutely. so we can, so we can understand a little bit more. I, I, I believe I'm, I get it. But I, I, I want you to do a little deeper dive into what that really means and give us an example. Yeah, absolutely. So um, there's been a ton of research. Psychologists have been using it forever, and that's archetyping. And archetyping. What ar- archetyping, yeah. And what archetyping is, is that it pretty much um, personifies your brand. And there's 12 archetypes that have been noted, and you see them everywhere. You can see them in some movies and books and religion. You see it all the time. And you're going to see it a lot now that I'm talking about, and you know what the, the definition is, is because if you go home and watch TV tonight and you watch commercials, you're going to realize how the top Fortune 500 companies always have an archetype that they identify with. Interesting. Yes. Please continue. Yes. So I will give a um, you know a real life example. We are just started working with a silicone manufacturing company, and they are family owned. It was founded by um, you know a wife and a husband, and they have two daughters. And they opened in 1976, and they actually started the business in the basement. Um, And it was interesting because we spent three months going through strategy and really, you know, doing a lot of research on them. And it wasn't until like four months after working with them that I really understood and really felt very aligned with the brand and emotionally involved. And that's because when I got the um, two daughters um, on the phone and we really talked about, okay, you know, let's put the business aside. I really want to talk about personally, why did your father start this business? And at first it's always about, well, revenue and there was an opportunity and, you know, it was... That's always the first thing they say. First first thing thing they say. We wanted a better life. We wanted to get the Cadillac. We wanted to get a better house. We wanted to get a pool in the bed. But... At That's the end of the day, it. That's go not ahead, it. go. It's always, always deeper than that, always. And when you start to ask the right questions and you start to ask more emotional questions of like, but really what has it done to your family? You know, what, what has this, you know, brand, like what has this company done for you? How has it made an impact on your life? And that's when things really start to change. And I really got to know the mother who is like this very caregiving woman and like the, her clients love her. She's always willing to give like the sweater off her back for her clients. And that's how she connects with her clients. She's a very, she's a, she's a mother, but she's also a mother and with like, you know, plays a motherly role with her clients. But then when you talk to the daughters, the daughters are like just total like young and energetic and they want to like branch out and explore and go into new opportunities. And these women are super smart. Like you get in a room with them and like they know silicone. I really? Mean, they, so they yeah. know the, the, the specifications oh, of it. They know yeah. the types. They know the colors. They know yeah. the curing processes or if, if there is. Really? 
Okay, go yeah, ahead. they're very smart women. And I'm like, okay, aha, we have we got something here. Because they came to us not only because they wanted a more of a brand presence, um, especially online, but they wanted to branch out into new markets. They really wanted to partner with universities and they really wanted to like show their more like they really like it's almost like they were like hiding in a in a hole for so long and they just wanted to get out. They wanted to like they show to expose who they really are. Yeah. They wanted to expose themselves. Yep. Yep. But then you have, you know, this one side of them that's very humble and family oriented and just like, we just want to give to our clients, right? We just want to be there for them. But um, thinking about where they wanted to go and how they've been positioning themselves now as like being very customer service oriented, which is great. Um, but I really wanted to um, position themselves a little bit differently and really be like, okay, you guys need to think of yourselves as the sage, which is one of the 12 archetypes. What is it? The sage. S-A-G-E? And, yep. And the sage is basically, there's characteristics of it being very, you know, full of knowledge. You kind of think of Einstein, you know, like they wanted to kind of be like the, the, the smartest person in the room. And that's what the sage is all about. And, it, you know, just circling back to what we had learned from um, some of the key stakeholder interviews, too, was it's one thing that you think who you are, but it's also what you're hearing that the customer's perception is going to be. And most importantly, we're entering a new market. So how do you need to be positioned? And your listeners will understand they want to they're targeting um, product development engineers. So they can't go in with the leading with the heart. What they have to come in is leading with the smart. Mm-hmm. So it's all of those things that really lead us, taking what we've learned, listening to what the story is, and knowing where you're going on how we position that archetype. And I'm so glad you brought up key stakeholder interviews because that's where I got a lot of insight too. So not only was I really spending a lot of time with them and asking them questions, but when I was talking to their key stakeholder interviews, they kept um, talking about this customer service, very caregiving side of them. You know, oh, they'll do anything for us. They're dedicated to us. I can call them and they'll be there for us like but then there's another side where they're like well I kind of wish they they did this and I didn't know that they did all these other things and that's when I really knew like okay I think that's pretty typical of a lot of businesses don't you your customers don't know all that you do right yeah exactly and then here they are wanting to like you know partner up with universities but it's like but you haven't even like put yourself out there as if you guys are like the smartest people in silicone in, in the silicone manufacturing industry. Like no one knows that. So you had a we had a really we're working on repositioning themselves so that they can attract the the you know the new clients that they want. So you you said there were twelve archetypes. There is. There's twelve archetypes. I'm gonna ask you, can you name them? I can try. Okay, let's, let's go. See. All right. But there's links too. If you Google it, which yeah, I really okay. All right. okay. Over. I don't want to put you on the yeah. spot, Shannon, but yeah. And, and I think it's more important that you actually look into this yourself and understand what each of them are. And I try to identify I mean that's what we're trying to do is equip you today to be a little bit more um, knowledgeable on what it is. See what you initially identify it with. We went through an exercise for our own where I just pulled out all of those little um what they say those characters are and then I just went in and I wrote my own gut feeling to what they were and we had a couple other different people do it and then you come together as a group like 
Jason, your leadership team, and then you really think through. Because what I thought I was wasn't really what I, I was wrong, but that was my gut instinct. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And there's a ton of resources out there. There's a ton of quizzes you can take. If you just look up brand archetyping quiz, um, you can take one and you can kind of see like before you go into it, look at there's a brand archetype wheel that shows all the different archetypes. And you can see like, oh, I think I identify with the rebel. And then you can take the quiz and see how well you did. Yeah. So you, you're defining all this. You're collecting all this information. You're doing the st- key stakeholders interview and you're, you're going to create copy. You're going to start writing this story about the, the brand. Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah, we basically build this foundation that um, the brand story document that we develop, which has like a mission, vision, and core values, it's actually documented. We identify the who we are, what we do, how we do it. Um, we also put in all the research on which archetype that the brand identifies with. Um, we also put in a personality statement and like talking about the traits of the brand and where this all comes together it's it's fascinating because what ends up happening is that you have this final document and at the time it's just a word document right it doesn't seem very valuable but it is because then once we start to um when you are developing a website all that content just gets infused into the website you've already have done the website copy so that's good. And then um, there's other elements you can take on too. So now that you um, have the personality type and all that, you have a character to your brand, that's great for PR, right? Now you can make sure that you can use it as a tool internally to make sure like, okay, this is who we are. This is how, who we identify with. And this is how we're going to talk about the brand. So you already have your PR tools in place and your sales tools and everything. And the vision you know, having that vision, I really do believe that that's the first thing that you should develop is the vision, because I really do believe that everything falls underneath it. Just going back to, you know, the silicone manufacturing client I was working with is that they already had the vision that they wanted to go into new um, markets, and they wanted to make a bold stance in the marketplace, and they wanted to show their expertise. So I took that vision, and then I made sure that we created this roadmap to help them get there. And then I'd like to just layer in, you know, you've met two other people from each of our team on every past series. And what you'll notice is that they collaborate together. So, you know, our content writers and our designers, really, it's not like one and done. They're working together to ensure that there's a cohesive face. So Danny will be part of this process. And then he'll kind of like, they, they collaborate and then he takes the baton and then he really pulls in how this is going to, you know, be the the visual statement. And then the only thing I'd like to add to that is that's the Bible because marketers and business owners and entrepreneurs are kind of bright and shiny object people. So this is what we go to to make sure that we are consistent into the message. And I always like to say, you know, I'm the guinea pig there. And one of the examples Shannon told me about was and talking about the, the caregiver archetype is Allstate. I like to think of things I can relate to. And Allstate is like you're in good hands with Allstate. And if you think about that commercial, which we're most likely to be really and how aware old of, is that commercial? And but it we still resonates. all get that feeling, that yes. emotional feeling. Yes. So, Danny, can you just take well, this welcome, a little further? Danny Wise. Danny yeah. Wise, welcome yeah, to the floor. Welcome right. to the it's great show. Great to be here, Jim. Thanks. I, I, always enjoy, I always enjoy talking to you. <laughs> yeah, it's always good. It's always good. It's a, it's a great time. It's a great yeah. day. Yeah, it is a great day. It is a great fantastic. day. And I, I loved your blog post, by the way. Oh, great! I'm yeah, glad you were like one of you know three that read it. So I appreciate it. <laughs> 
No, come but on. But now no, Metalworking no, Nation's going to... I know. We'll tell you where you can yeah, so read uh, Danny's we'll uh, blog that. post. So segueing off of what uh, Julie was talking about with Allstate and that emotion that it evokes, I'd like to bring up another brand kind of going into this next one is um, is Nike. Uh, I'd like oh. to talk about... I mean, as far as putting a face to a brand, when you see that Nike swish, no matter like whether you can you know run a marathon or you can do the Ironman, you put on those pair of Nikes or you put on that um, you know that Nike shirt, and you feel like you can go do it because Nike has embedded that as their brand in into your subconscious. As far as that's who they are, that's what they do, and it doesn't matter who you are, even though you're not maybe the fastest guy on the team, you feel like you could be if you go and buy buy that pair of Nikes. So. I should have had it on this morning when I was doing my uh, <laughs> Linda exercise for CrossFit. I probably would have knocked another minute off if I had some Nike shoes on, but I get it. Exactly. I totally get it. Exactly. I know. It's, it's that idea. You feel like you can go I take, know. On, take Boom. on the world. And they, wow. They've done it. They've done it properly. So that's always one of my, my favorite uh, examples to, to bring up. So they've done a great job with that as far as that goes. But yeah, putting a, uh, a face to a brand and everything that Shannon was talking about, it's like that emotion that you evoke, uh, you, it needs to be seen. And, um, you know, let's, we're in a day and age where nobody uh, wants to read a bunch of things. So, that, you know, you want to read five words and then you want to look at something. So um, the more and more that that becomes prevalent in our society, the more and more we need to think about how we're, you know, designing brands and looking at how um, we're, you know, translating those words into uh, designs and things like that. So the logo is the face of your brand. It's what everything else in your brand visually is based off of. So if that evokes the right emotions that like, you know, if, if um, you know, we'll just go back to Nike for a second. They're the, they're the hero and that emotion that's in the hero archetype, that needs to be represented in their logo and in their brand. And they've done that very well. So that's something that you need to think about when you're developing that. Um, you know, you're not just making cool shapes and colors and putting fun uh, typefaces together. So there's a little bit more thought into that. And that's when uh, the designer and the uh, content writer just have to really collaborate and think about, okay, you know, as the content writer starts to develop the archetype, you just got to start thinking in your mind, all right, what's going what's gonna to develop and what's going to really say those couple paragraphs that is written out in a brand story, what's going to say that in one visual? And that's right. what we need to, that's what we need to think sometimes about. Sometimes that's tough. Right. It's not, not the easiest thing to do, no. but that's why we're, you know, it's a great team to collaborate with and we get everyone on the team from strategists to content writers to designers to really think about this. It's not, you know, it's not a uh, one-man show. So. Yeah. And, you know, it was funny when um, Jason came in, he sees this mood board that is up behind us. And it's kind of, we have yay or nay. And oftentimes there's two things that happen. I, I like to go back to your logo. We just made a very, um, a refresh to your logo because emotional, people are very emotional about their logos. Most right. times people tell me like, we are not going to change it. And I go, okay. And once time in findings, a finding stuck. strategy, yeah. we actually put their logo next to Mr. Rogers logo. And then they said, okay, maybe we'll change it. Cause, because you want to be current, modern and relevant, exactly. right? Exactly. Right. right. Yeah. All those things come up. So where, so where do you start off in order to, you know, do that redesign or make sure that your logo is modern and, you know, with the times and, and, well, and, and, and moves with, you know, whatever customer type that you're, or whatever kind of brand you're trying to project? Sure. So the first thing we want to go to is do our, uh, our filtered experience, which brings out a whole bunch of uh, cards we put on a table for the client. And we let them subconsciously pick what they like and don't like about these cards, whether they have people on them, shapes on them, colors, um, buildings, uh, um, typography, all those types of things. And then we let them what they 
pick what they really hate and what they really love. And we kind of decide from there and what they feel like is best going to represent uh, their brand. You know, And we don't want them to look at the Apple logo and be like, I want my logo to look like that because let's face it, it's we're not you're you're not the same as as apple it's gonna be a little bit different so subconsciously we like to get their thoughts going and also this involves the client in the logo making process as well like so it's not just you know us saying this is what you're gonna look like they feel that they have a say in it as well so so looking at the board here what what is what what am i representing here uh well how would you cat right now like, how would you how would you categorize this well what you're liking it looks like uh you really like your uh, clean lines and your uh, really strong uh, focal points and things like that, and you like your your bright colors uh, along with those strong focal points. Uh, so, I mean, like first thing I look at is you know um, I think about is Google's logo. Actually, it's very clean, it's very modern, and it's bright and grabs your attention. It gives it that that strong strong feel. It's like one of the first things I think about when I'm looking at what what you do like. And what you don't like, I'm seeing uh, the just the muddiness, the not very clean lines, things that kind of blend together, uh, not very strong focal points and things that you're you're looking for. So and that's stuff that not everybody like knows to look for, but like subconsciously they know what they like and don't like. So this is how we get get that out of them. And this really sets the color palette to everything. That's the launching pad that takes us to the website and, and collateral. It's really the mood that you're going to project. project. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Danny. Well, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because that actually goes into um, colors is a big thing. We had a, um, a client that had a parent brand and a sub brand, and their parent brand was more of the caregiver, and they were a s- service uh, uh, service brand. And so we thought about that, and blue and yellow are great colors to give off that caregiving feel to welcome people in and inviting. But then their product brand is a little bit more aggressive. It's the magician, and mix that into hero, and it's a little bit more. They had a little bit more of an attitude in their personality, so that became black and red. But at the same time, so those colors separated the brands. But at the same time, we needed to put them together mm-hmm. to know that the the you know the uh, sub brand went with the parent brand. So that came into the structure of the logo. Of you know, in the parent brand, there was um, a house kind of brought in that warm, fuzzy feeling, but it was built in a way that if you deconstruct that house, you can reconstruct the diamond that is in the sub brand. So when those two are, two are in one color together, you can easily see that connection between the building of the logos, and it brings everything together, and it makes it a strong brand. So you don't. So if you see those two together separately, your mind starts to make those connections, and it makes that um, that muscle memory of the consumer to know. I like this. Like I, I, this is a trusted brand. It, it evokes those emotions of aggressiveness for the product, caregiving for uh, the parent brand, and they all work together. And Danny, one of the things that we find so inconsistent with manufacturers, of course, is that yeah. um, well, and everybody, not everybody, but is using your brand consistently across every media, across every social network. So one of the things that we encourage is a, can a, you give an example of that? Because I, I sometimes yeah, yeah, give me an example of what you mean your brand across all the platforms. Okay, so I'm sure people are going to feel um, this pain point a little bit. Is you know you'll especially 
especially if you're, um, you know, a client facing person is your, you know, your logo is different on your website where you're not visually um, being represented the same on Facebook or LinkedIn, or you have an old printed brochure that doesn't look like anything that you're looking today. Um, So both the words and the image should be consistent across those things. And Danny can speak to just kind of having a brand standard. But one of the things that we've really found important too is we've just talked in the series and the episodes is how we get to your brand, you know, foundation and really being able to launch that internally so everybody within your organization can also speak to who you are and and your values and how you could communicate, you know, to your customers and um and being a little bit consistent on how they use the tool so people don't bastardize it. Do you want to talk about that, Danny? Yeah, exactly. Please. Yeah, there's well, there's a lot of time and thought that's put into that. And, you know, as you know, owning a business and things like that, you, you really hold on to that logo and things that you built and you don't want it to be represented in the wrong way out there. And you want your brand to be represented correctly so people don't look at it and be like, you know, what's Jim Carr doing? Why is he, why does it look like this? So we want to make sure everything's going out in the right way. No way I like to think about it is it's that family that's going to Disney World where you all make them wear yellow shirts so you can all find each other. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous at first, but, but hey, it's it, so true. But it works. Yeah. It works in the end. So we want to make sure everything that gets goes out has the right logos on it, has to use the right colors so then people feel like wow they they have their stuff together. Like you know, everything looks the same. Like I feel like I can trust it. It also brings in that value of trust. trust. They know yeah. what they're doing. So the way it looks like they know what they're doing. So I feel like they know what they're doing for everything else as well. If you come across as everything's, you know, mishmashed and everything, nothing it goes together. together. I know. I exactly. Know. So yeah. it, it, it's, it's fluidity. It, exactly. It, 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 it is what it is. And you, you have to represent everything across the board with the entire brand persona, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And you know, it's so funny. I, we, I've talked a lot about, we always talk about equipping our manufacturing leaders. Right. And today I hope we inspired our manufacturing leaders because I often, I feel people think that, you know, that look and in, in that brand or I'm going to crowdsource our logo or, or they just don't understand. And we get that. That's not their business. But we hope that people walk away understanding that how you say in words concisely, because nobody has any time to read anything, and how you visually represent yourself. A represents the true you and in the voice that your customers want to hear and that you're building that brand foundation. So then everything else that we talk about in the rest of the series is meaningful to really what is the bottom line? We're trying to attract the right customers, keep the right customers, and grow our business. So let's take that seriously. And and that's really all we wanted for you to really um, leave today is understand the impact, the importance, and um, and the value that, you know, I, I we, we make snack decisions by the cars you drive and the watches that you wear and how the clothes you wear and how groomed your hair is, Jim Carr. Seriously. No, seriously. And, I, and I so get that's it. how people look at your brand. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. So I, I really hope that um, we'll get maybe some comments and questions from some of the listeners as well um, in terms of... Uh, how they felt about this episode because I think some of this stuff is really new uh, and I would love to hear well, some it's, it's feedback from, from your too, listeners. Julie. You have to understand. So we have to break it down and I'm glad we're doing this on a piecemeal type series. Digestible. Where we're get, yes, it's a little bit more digestible for the metalworking nation and manufacturers overall to take in because, you know, like I said last month when we had our other episode, 
Um, you know, we're talking in manufacturing lingo all the time, plus or minus five thousands. How are we going to machine this part? What tooling are we going to use? You know, what's the surface feet per minute? And then, you know, we start talking marketing again. We're talking about brand identity and uh, archetypes and sage and, you know, all these fancy marketing. It's, it gets, sometimes it's a little overwhelming. So I think that was, was a smart thing to do to break it down into a, a series every month and give people little pieces of it. So what can that, what can that person out there do today to help evolve their brand identity? Well, I, I, first of all, I'd like to say my favorite case study is uh, Car Machine, carmachine.com. Okay. <laughs> because of the fact that that brand, I think, is one of our favorite things that we did because you'll notice it's very succinct. It's very current and modern relevant. And it says that we're going to provide you a first class experience in machining, right? And that is my friend, Jim Carr. And we all know and love and have heard him on the podcast. And you know that he is a first class man oh, who loves a full bodied, you know, Cabernet. Uh, Cabernet. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've captured that essence on, on the website. So look back at yours, your website. Look at how many words and do they really you think they resonate to anybody other than you and and go back to what J- uh, Jason had started this whole podcast about is what are your goals that's really all you can do right now is are you representing who you want to target that is going to make you more money yeah at the end of the day that's what we're trying to do and in the end of the day if we're not making chips we're not making money <laughs> Did I just close this out? This podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry. We want to hear from you, the owners, managers, leaders, and engineers from the metalworking nation. What ideas do you want to share and what keeps you up at night? We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear, and we'll see you next time on Making Chips. 